I want to talk about the idea of ministry, because when we hear the word ministry, we sort of think of church or what the pastors do. Those guys are ministers, and they're doing ministry all over the place, and it's great to support them. But if you actually look at this word, it comes from a Greek word, dikonio, which means to serve. So if you look a little bit deeper where we got the word ministry, we actually, the word and when it's being used is a meaning of service, to serve. Some of you are in ministry to your family. Some of you are in ministry to your workplace. You're doing something at work that is really a lot about service and service to other people. Some of you are in ministry here at church, so you're doing ministries all over the place. You're serving in different capacities. But the truth is, when we look at what the Bible says about ministry, every one of us should be in ministry. Every one of us should be a minister. So I wanted to do a time of commissioning today, of saying you're in ministry. We commission mission trips. We commission pastors as they go, different things like that. But a time of commissioning for us. Our greatest example of this is actually Jesus Christ which you probably aren't surprised. Matthew 20, 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to serve. His ministry was to serve. And it was a service to us in what he did. And then he turned that mandate over to us when he said in Matthew 20, 25, But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not that way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And then we see God, time, every chapter, every book of the Bible, continue to call his, his uh, ministers, but they were called into service to other people. And as us, as Christians us that would call ourselves Christians, we would fall under that same mandate, under that same call of the disciples, and that we are supposed to be in ministry. He said to Paul, Paul in Romans 1.1 says, Paul, a bond servant of Christ Jesus. And the bond servant's actually taking it a level further. A level further is saying this, although I have been given complete freedom, and I know of this freedom, this gift that the cross did for me, I willingly choose to put myself back into a service to my God, my King. Uh, in, that, in that time period, it would be to their master. So this, he's using a very strong word to say, although I have been given freedom, I understand my freedom, I choose to be a servant. Called as an apostle, another deep word, set apart for the gospel of God. This is the same message that he gives most of his disciples through the New Testament, and it's the same message that he gives to you and I. We are supposed to be in ministry. So my question to you today is, are you ready to be in ministry? Because today is the commissioning. And as someone who wants to commission you, as someone who wants to launch you into ministry, I also have some warnings for you, some things that you need to know and be prepared for as you approach this. In 1 Thessalonians 3, Here's how, how Paul begins uh, talking to them. He says, For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. We have been destined for this path. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. 
And so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you, and our labor might have been in vain. First and foremost, as you're being commissioned into ministry, is that ministry is emotional. There are going to be some highs and lows, ups and downs. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. It is emotional. And we're seeing Paul's emotions come out in this letter. He knows what he has to face. He knows about the affliction ahead. But that's not really what's messing with his emotions. His emotions, as he writes back to this young church, he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm facing affliction, but the truth is, as long as you guys are staying strong and continuing, continuing to follow God, even though the tempter is going to come in, I know it's going to come and it's going to be a temptation and pull you away. As long as you are continuing to press forward, I will know that all of that work wasn't in vain. There's a, when I first moved back, to Fresno in July, and we got on the ground and we started running. I was looking up everyone I've ever known in my entire life, and so I had a youth ministry back there, and so that youth ministry would be about 10, they will all be about 10 years older, good people to sort of go after. So I'm trying to look up all the people that were in my youth ministry, especially a leadership team, and I, as I approached each of these leaders, one of them was a, a dynamic girl who was just awesome leader in high school, but she had chosen a very difficult path after, made a lot of interesting decisions along the way, and she found herself in a position now where she was homeless uh, with a child, trying to survive, and as I, I came across her, and we went and had coffee, she was just in tears telling the story of how she had been on such a high for God and had this leadership capacity, but almost had to be humbled over and over again. And now here she is trying to find a place to live, trying to get her life back on track, and just feeling like she has burned every bridge in her life. And she's there and her kid's there, and it was just, it was heartbreaking. But as I spoke to her, I said, I know who you were. I know the leader that was in you. And I, I believe that leader is still in there. And this path that God has for you is still great. There is a special path. And so we started meeting about every week for months and months and months. And I just tried to pull her in saying, you are an incredible leader. And God has a very special purpose for you. And I actually think it's part of this church. I want you to be involved in what we're doing with this church launch. And so she started coming to the church, started being there Sunday, started plugging in and beginning to, to do different ministries at the church. And I was so excited to see this life change happening. And then she disappeared just a couple weeks ago. Disappeared and I just off the planet. And I'm like trying to follow on Facebook, trying to find her. And I end up realizing that she's moved to Sacramento. She's again homeless, trying to figure out her life. And I'm like, what happened? We were, we've made so much progress. 
The emotions of ministry is tough. It will go up and down all the time. The emotions that Paul is sharing throughout the entire, entire books and several of them is of a man who, even though he's facing affliction, he's saying, that's fine. I don't mind that I'm being beaten down and people are throwing rocks at me as long as my work with this young church isn't also falling at the same time. If they're doing good, then I'm good. And I can just, I can sense this idea in which emotionally it just has to be ripping him apart, but he's strong because he knows the work is not in vain. When we talk about being commissioned into ministry and serving other people, it's not always going to be easy, and it's not always going to be hard either. Sometimes it's going to be high and low. You just have to continue to get on that roller coaster and ride it. Just keep pressing forward. It'll be all over the place. It's just part of it. The second warning or preparing for you is that ministry is challenging. It may challenge your finances. There's going to be times where you may have to give up doing work or giving up something so you can serve over here. It could be, uh, it could be challenging in several ways with finances. It might be your time, which is our most valuable commodity. And then finding that balance of how to have the right amount of time for you know, what you have to do and just putting together that balance in time. There is going to be a sacrifice there. It'll be challenging. There's going to be a challenge in your faith. As you step up, there's an immediate pushback. It's crazy how it's just immediately how you have these, these pushing backs of, well, who are you or what do you know? And then you have to sort of take an introspect of, well, what do I know? And so your faith is challenged. And so then you have to say, okay, why am I really doing this? Do I, do I truly, truly believe? Yes. Okay. Now why? That challenge of faith is going to be there the more you step up in ministry. But understand all of this is going to be challenging. In First Thessalonians, he specifically spoke of these afflictions. When he's talking to the Ephesian church, he says the same thing. We see it in Ephesians 6.19. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains." An ambassador, that, that's, a, that's a really cool phrase right there. An ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The ambassadors, we send them all over the place. We have an ambassador in almost every nation. And most nations have them here. They represent the country, our country, other places. They know our culture. They know all about us. Uh, they can, you know, if, if you have, if the other country is sort of thinking about something and they want to see how it would come across to the Americans, so they'll, they'll have this, like, they'll talk to the ambassador and the ambassador can really relay that information to them. If someone was to kill one of our ambassadors, that would be a declaration of war. They are treated as presidents or they're treated very well in these other countries. So an ambassador is a big deal. He calls himself an ambassador in chains because he's representing another land, telling about that culture, telling about who Jesus Christ is and what heaven is. And this, he's speaking of another place, but he's an ambassador in chains because at this moment he's in prison and writing from prison. That's probably challenging for him. And yet notice his prayer. His prayer is not for them to pray that he will get out of the chains, out of the prison. 
Out of, you don't see him praying about being any sort of freedom from the afflictions, from the, the stones thrown at him. He doesn't pray like that at all. In fact, his prayers always go back to pray for each other so that your church stays strong and pray for me so that I will still be able to get out the mystery of the gospel. Each person that I come across in this prison, that I'll be able to share the message where I am and what I'm doing that the message of who Christ is will continue to go forth no matter what my situation is. What I see in Paul is someone who truly understands that he's in ministry. And he's not praying to get out of it when it gets hard. In fact, most guys we see through the Bible, their path was very difficult. When we pray prayers of open the right door and close the wrong doors, we have to be very careful because most of the doors seem like they're closed in the Bible, but they continue to press in. When you're having things thrown at you and then shoved into prison and then you have, you know, shackles, that's the moment you probably say, was this an open door or a closed door? I'm not, I'm not sure. So we have to be careful in our prayers. It will be challenging. Don't run from the challenge. Keep moving forward and pressing on, even as it is a struggle at points in your life. I have a, a person, her name's Brenda. She came on staff with us as a volunteer to our senior adults. Incredible woman. A few weeks ago, I was meeting with her again, and she's just in tears. I think everyone that meets with me is always in tears for some reason, but she's explaining, I don't know what it is, but she's explaining to me that for the last 20 years, she has been called by God to be in ministry and that she's a pastor, and yet church after church she's struggled in because no one wants to call her a pastor because she's a woman. Very interesting dilemma. As you know God's called you to be a pastor, and yet over and over you're told you, you can't quite be a pastor. That challenge to continue to step up and do it anyway. And I, she's like, crying to me, and I'm all, you understand that we don't believe like that, right? You can be a pastor here. She's like, yeah, yeah, I know. But anyway, it's funny. And so then she's like, okay, and the senior adult aspect of it. We really, we put high uh, pedestals to those that are working with children and youth. Senior adult ministry sort of gets left on the side sometimes. And it's kind of weird because they're pretty close to death. We should care more, right? Sorry if you're a senior adult. <laughs> I threw it in on purpose, but we are, we are very concerned about youth. When we, her heart and what God has put in her is this, this incredible concern for the senior adults out there and sharing the word with them. So she's been at church where that hasn't been the priority, and it's always about young families. And it, the pay is also very skewed in that same respect. Not being a woman who is a pastor, working with senior adults, getting paid way less and treated way less than other positions at the church. And she's just talking about that challenge. And, you know, we're talking about it together, just saying, you know, we're going to do things differently. This is, there's going to be some innovative stuff happening here. You're going to love it. But she still has to step up again, because again, it's a volunteer spot that she's stepping into. But she knows how God has created her, what her ministry is. So she continues to take these steps and say, God, if this is where you put me, I'm going to do it. I love that. And that's, that's challenging. And that is ministry. But ministry is also fun, number three. We have to remember this one. We forget this one a lot. 
when we're out serving, I, I think sometimes we, we get it, but a lot of times we think it's just the hardest thing that we're ever going to do. It's not always hard, and sometimes it's a blast. For Paul, he is talking in verse 6, talking about some of the things that are so joyful and he's happy about. He says, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news, because at this point he found out that they didn't fall to the tempter, good news of your faith and love, and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us, just as we also long to see you. For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live, even in the struggle, even in the affliction, we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account. He sees the difference that it's made and he's joyful and excited and really living. He's excited about what God is doing. I have, uh, it's my brother-in-law who also is one of our pastors on this team that's building this church. And he is uh, also the leader of Christians in Action, which is a missions organization. Him and I, we get together every Wednesday and from about 2 p.m. till till night. It's like five-hour meeting we have, and we go to these cool locations, and we have just a blast, and we're dreaming the entire time about how can we be innovative with this, with this gospel, with this message? What new things can we try? How can we dream of new ways? And it's just so fun every Wednesday to have this time together and bounce ideas off each other. This actually today, we're leaving him and I to go to Guatemala, and we're going to go around to different mission areas and visit missionaries, and we're just so excited because it's going to be a blast. We're going to have a blast reaching out, talking to missionaries, seeing their ministry, seeing, talking through ideas, dreaming about what could possibly happen. Ministry is fun, and some of that might not sound fun, but you have your areas of fun. Make it fun as you continue to do ministry. Going back to Paul, what I loved about the Ephesians verse is even in prison, he's writing about his joy and what they're doing and their prayers to him, prayers to him to be able to continue to share the word. What I see there is someone who understands who they are. They, they get it. And they know they're created by Christ. They know they have a purpose. And they're so in tuned to their purpose that it doesn't matter that they could be in jail and still be able to live and have joy and, and, and have fun, which is weird. Because we face, we bring so much in here. We come in with, with major burdens that are going on in our life. There's so much illness happening. There's death happening all the time. There's just our kids are, sometimes are off the path that they're supposed to be. Just we come in here with so much pain. And that's real stuff, stuff that we do have to deal with. But we also, if we know who we are and how God created us, we can, in the midst of our worst moments in life, still live and really live have fun and enjoy life because we know how we were created by God. We know that we have eternity with him. We know we're going to be with him. We know the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And even as life is being torn from us at points, that God is still with us. And so we take joy in that moment knowing this world may throw everything it has at me, but they can't take you. And I have you and I will continue to press forward in joy knowing that the King 
and the creator of the universe dwells within me. That's pretty fun. We are ambassadors. We are ambassadors in a foreign land, and the foreign land will be difficult, will be challenging, it'll be emotional, but if we know who we are and where we're from, we can still have fun. Ministry is also encouraging. This is the fourth one. And listen to how he ends this chapter. He says, Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people just as we also do for you, so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. He, he is giving them an encouraging word. Remember, he has faced affliction. We don't even know how bad that was. He is in prison at other points. And yet when he writes, he writes with encouragement, encouraging them in what they are doing. That is so neat to see. And I see that happening all the time with God doing it to us. Even though we're facing difficult moments, he's throwing bits and pieces of encouragement constantly. We just have to be tuned to it. There's a, a girl that is in our church now who was also one of the kids that were in my youth ministry that is older who chose a more difficult path in life. And some of you have kids like that. And her path, she's again finding herself at a, as a reboot where she has a child and no husband, and she had to move back at home, and she's trying to go back to school and get her life back together. And as I found her, I said, one of the areas that you also probably need to reboot is with Christ, because they hadn't been going to church, and, and she'd gotten very far from it. And as I met with her month after month, it was very interesting because she's like, oh, those were the, those were the best days when, when I knew what Christ was doing in me. And I'm like, you know, you can have those again, right? But it wasn't clicking. It, it wasn't clicking in that you have to also reboot this Christ thing as a part of this reboot in your life. And then somewhere in the middle of December, I get this random phone call from her. And the call, she says, she, her first words are, I'm not going to say no anymore. I'm like, excuse me? I'm not sure what you're even saying to me. And as we talk through it, she says, I have been saying no in my heart and in my actions for so long. I'm going to say yes, no matter what it is. If you ask me to go door to door and tell people about Christ, I won't say no. I will be scared and I won't like it, but I am never saying no again. And then she said, I'm going to be there every week. I'm going to be doing what it says. This is a new and change for me. And I'm like, terrific. You don't ever, you never really know how that's actually going to go. People, some people say things and that doesn't actually happen. But there she was, the very next service and every service since. And one of the services, I was talking about youth ministry, saying, here's what we're going to be doing in our youth department as we move forward. And she comes up to me after and says, do you, if you need a youth pastor, I won't be able to say no. I'm like, do you want to be the youth pastor? <laughs> Which it was, I, I had hesitation because I'm like, you just started this whole thing, but we're also a new church plant, so we'll use a rock if we need to. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And then from that point on, she started meeting with the youth, and they've had a couple of events, and then they, now they're meeting every Thursday night and doing youth stuff, and it's incredible. And last week she says, uh, I want to do more. What more can I do? And I go, you know what I want you to do? I want you to get a phone book and open it up, and call everyone inside of it and tell them about Christ. 
which, you know, that's me knowing she can't say no, and that's the kind of personality I have. <laughs> so she does, and she's doing it now. She's reporting to me every day. I feel really bad about it now I'm saying it, but <laughs> it's, it's kind of my personality. But I think I see so much encouragement through that. I'm, I'm excited about how God is using our church already to do things. We launch in 12 weeks or so, and yet God is already doing amazing things. And he's sending these encouraging life change, even though there's some bad stories too where it's, we're still in process, working some stuff out with people. But man, he sends an encouragement just which, right when you need it. Ephesians 1 Verse 11, let this be the encouragement to you. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. You were chosen. You aren't, you're not here by accident. In order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. You are in Christ now, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you are marked in him with a seal. There is a seal in you. The Holy Spirit is dwelling within you, and there is a seal on you. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You can go with boldness because they are God's possessions anyway. And as you are doing ministry, as you are serving others, you're talking to God's possessions, and it will be to his glory when they come to him. That is an encouraging word, which are the words, by the way, that get Paul thrown into prison very soon after. It's, there is a price to pay in ministry. Uh, what price are you willing to pay to be in ministry? We are incredibly blessed. I don't really think God needs us. I mean, he's the creator of the universe. I'm pretty sure he could do whatever he wanted and, and make it happen however he does. But almost every book explains that we are part of the plan. He chooses. He wants us to be part of it. There's a purpose for why we are here. And every one of us has been called into ministry. Take, take that call and run with it at full speed. As you leave this place, there are some things that are going to begin to come into your mind. Some fears. The beginnings of, I don't, I don't, how would I even begin to do this? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. The beginnings of, as I speak for Christ, I'm going to be challenged and I know very little. I'm going to have, I'm going to struggle with this and this and I'm not sure I can balance my life. I'm barely surviving. I don't know if I can do that. All those fears will immediately, as you walk out these doors, attack you. So I want to give you three tools, last three things in your, in your notes there. The first is this. You have to seek him daily and examine his plan for you that day. All of these sermons, these, the, the 10 steps closer to God journal, all this stuff is all about you have to spend time with him daily. As you spend time with him daily and ask him how can I be used today? What do you have for me today? God will speak into that. The problem is it won't be every day. There are days you'll wake up and you'll pray and you'll say, God, how do you want to use me? Where do I go? And you'll be like, 
I'm not hearing, I don't know, I don't know. I can't hear anything. That happens often. But one out of, say, like nine times, and this is more of a hopperism and, and just experience than it is in the Bible, but one out of like nine times, you're going to sense, oh, that's what God wants for me. The problem is, many of us, about once a month, we do this. Once a month, we have a moment where we're like, okay, God, I'm just going to give you a shot. I'm going to go for it today. Look, what do you want for me to do today? And you don't sense anything. And it's a math issue. So in nine months, I bet you've had some experience where God has spoken to you. You've been in a sermon, you're like, oh, I feel, okay, it's making sense. But that's like once a year if it's in nine months and you're only having those very few times. So all you have to do is smash that together and do it daily, and you're going to have more experiences where God is guiding you. Again, this is all hopper theories. None of this is in the Bible. This is all hopper. But it works. If you will begin to go to God daily, you're going to have more moments in which he guides you through a day. So pray on a daily basis. What's the second one? Examine decisions and how they affect God's kingdom and his plan for your life. This is the one where you really have to examine your decisions. You have to balance life out a little bit. And you have to understand that not every struggle is a closed door. Not every decision not quite working out means it was wrong. You have to begin to examine and say, what would God have for my life? And the more I understand my spiritual gifts, how God's created me, that I'm a masterpiece of God, and he has a specific plan for my life, the more you're going to be able to walk stronger knowing that what you're facing is part of it. Examine and pray and know yourself so well that even if you were in prison, in chains, you would still be having fun because you know God put you there for a reason. It changes your whole outlook in life. And three, spend time getting to know the creator and the place that you represent as an ambassador and in ministry. If we sent an ambassador over to France and he's like, yeah, yeah, all the Americans are given free cars and, and have mansions, so if you make it in, you get that. We'd be like, what are you talking about? Well, you're fired, right? We wouldn't like an ambassador that knew nothing about what he was saying about our country. It would actually be really frustrating. But when we talk about God, we sometimes are just speaking randomly, thinking, well, yeah, he's, he's like this. We need to know him and understand and have a relationship with him so that when we are out of our homeland and out in this world sharing who he is as an ambassador, that we can speak well of him. So spend time daily in his word, getting to know him better, praying so you understand who you're talking about. Those of you that are already Christians, uh, just take this as the commissioning. Represent him well, step up, and let's do this. The more of us in ministry, the more amazing things God's going to do. But some of you are probably coming in today, and you're, you like barely made it in. It's like, I, you're just lucky I'm here much less talking about ministry. you got to be kidding. I want to encourage you that it is fun. I mean, it's challenging. It's emotional. But when you begin to understand that you were created for purpose and that God has a unique plan for your life, it gets pretty exciting. And God begins to do some things that go beyond, just blow your mind. So as we pray, I want to encourage you to take a step forward with him today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, as we close our time together, I'm not going to pull anyone up front or do anything weird, but if you're in this room 
and you're saying, I need to do this. I need to step up, begin to step forward in ministry, begin to serve and know that God's created me for purpose. And this is a new day for me. Will you pray for me? I just want you to put your hand up and say, that's me. This is a new day for me. Pray for me. Just quickly put it up. Amen. God, I thank you for these hands. And I thank you that as more and more step into this ministry, it actually draws us closer to our time with you and our eternity with you. The more of your plan begins to fall into place. So God, I pray that this is true and that we see change. And I thank you for this church, the blessing that it is. What an encouragement to us as we plant this church. Thank you for them. I pray your blessings to pour down on them in all ways. In Jesus' name, amen.